Welcome to Cybersecurity Insights, the podcast for the CyberEd.io learning community. Our goal is to bring cybersecurity practitioners the latest and most relevant education and training to upskill and dive deeper into topics that matter in today's modern cybersecurity world. Good day, everyone. This is Steve King. I'm the managing director at CyberEd.io. Uh, with me today is uh, David Sinclair, who's the CEO and founder of For Freedom. David will give us a little background on him himself and and how he came about to put For Freedom together uh, and and what his passion's about. This is this is a play on a business that focuses on uh, privacy and and mobile and device security. Uh, but I'll let I'll let David uh, tell us about that. So welcome, David. Thank you for thank you for joining us today. So give us, if you can, a, a little background on yourself and tell us a little bit about For Freedom, and then we can talk about some of the issues. So uh, I've spent most of the last thirty years li- living and working uh, in countries, primarily in Eastern Europe, Middle East, Africa, and a little bit in South Asia. Uh, most of that time was spent managing the implementation and operation of complex IT systems for government agencies and large companies. Uh, a lot of that uh, working together with mobile operators as well as government agencies that wanted to integrate with mobile operators uh, to implement systems to surveil people through their mobile phones. So helping mobile companies as well as government agencies to track uh, people's location, uh, their communications, uh, listen in on their conversations, that sort of thing, and collect their data uh, from their mobile phones. Yeah, so uh, maybe maybe you're you're one of the guys that started this whole surveillance <laughs> society, huh? <laughs> well, well, you know, we we had a philosophy in these countries we were working in, primarily developing markets or emerging markets, and so uh, we had a philosophy we called copy with pride. Uh, we didn't invent anything. We always uh, copied systems that had been implemented elsewhere and uh, implemented them. So I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm so much one of the uh, people who started the surveillance society, but uh, I was for a long time somebody who helped contribute to it. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm of course half in jest here, uh, but only half. Did you? What, what kind? So you, when did you start for freedom? So I moved back to the U.S. in 2019. 2019, I came back to the U.S. and I'd lived in a lot of countries where, let's say, they're not the most democratic countries in the world. Uh, I, given that I was a foreigner working on projects around security and surveillance and things like that, I was very often being surveilled myself, whether that was physically being followed or having my email hacked or, or having my conversations listened into uh, because they were concerned, hey, is this guy a spy that's implementing these systems for us, right? Uh, and I was very excited to come back to the U.S. in 2019 and, and, and say, oh, I'm finally, I'm back in the land of the free. And I was shocked when I got here to discover that I'm actually surveilled more in the U.S. than I ever was when I lived in Kazakhstan or Russia or <laughs> Saudi Arabia or, or any of those places. And, you know, it dawned on me then that most of the technologies that I was implementing in these countries were actually invented here. Yeah. And so, you know, really America... Uh, for all of its push for freedoms and everything like that is, is actually where the idea of the surveillance society really began. Yeah, certainly. And, uh, you know, the folks that would, uh, there are plenty of folks that would argue that, you know, it's uh, it's okay to surveil if you're one of the 
one of the folks that know what they're doing, right? They're like, you know, we're we're the reason you have the freedoms you have, David, is not because of the Constitution, but rather it's because of the smart individuals at the top of the pyramid who are who are creating this environment for you. And eh, we got to pay a little attention to what you're doing every every day or so. But yeah, that's okay. No harm, no foul, right? I'll tell you, after I got back here and realized how much I was surveilled, I started speaking with a lot of people. And what I discovered is that just about everybody I talked to was kind of concerned about the fact that they don't have a lot of privacy. Uh, the problem is nobody knows what to do about it. And, and so really, I said, you know, there's got to be something that we can do. And that was really what motivated me to start researching the topic and start trying to figure out, is there a way to implement a technology solution to this problem to help give people back their privacy. And that's really what led me to developing the Four Freedom Platform. It took me about two years to develop, but it began kind of as a hobby and became a passion. And uh, last year, we launched it as a business. And so for a little over a year now, uh, we've had Four Freedom Mobile, which our whole focus is helping people to secure their mobile phones, stop the tracking, the hacking, and the data collection that goes on every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason for that, you know, going back to your point, is that this whole concept of freedom is very dependent on individuals. You know, uh, even the Constitution doesn't really guarantee us any kind of rights to privacy. If you look at the way the Supreme Court has interpreted the Fourth Amendment over the years, you know, the Fourth Amendment is supposed to protect us from unlawful search and seizure, but it's limited only to unlawful search of your home, unlawful search of your written letters, so they don't consider email to be the same thing as letters, for example. Uh, the Supreme Court doesn't because email is actually provided by some service provider. And you agree in your terms and conditions with that service provider. The service provider can have access to your messages. And so the same thing is true with your voice conversations on the phone or your text messages. They don't consider that to be private communication under the Constitution. So there really are no protections for our privacy when we're using our mobile phone uh, in the U.S. today. And when you look outside of the U.S., it's, of course, far worse than it is in the U.S. in terms of the lack of protections of our privacy. Yeah. So so are your customers retail consumer kind of customers or, or do you sell to the enterprise as well? So we launched last year focused on the consumer because we wanted to make sure we got it right in the consumer space before we started trying to sell into businesses. This year, we're actually trying to expand our business by selling into businesses, looking at uh, business customers who are concerned about the security of their mobile devices. You know, and, and I'll give you a good example. The U.S. Department of Defense has identified securing their employees, meaning soldiers, sailors, airmen, et cetera, uh, mobile devices is one of their top three critical cybersecurity issues to address this year. Uh, and the reason for that is very simple. The Department of Defense, just like most businesses, has a bring your own device policy. And because they have that bring your own device policy, they have no control over what's going on to those devices. At the same time, companies' employees do a massive amount of business on their mobile phones, whether that's checking their email or that's sending text messages or making phone calls. There's a massive amount of company confidential information that's collected by your phone, even your location. You know, if you're a sales guy and you're making a call on a client, you don't want your competition to know who you're calling on or when you're calling on them, when you were meeting them there. But that information is so easy to collect from a mobile phone these days, whether that be 
something as complicated as putting malware or spyware uh, into that phone to collect and send that data back. Or it's something as simple as I can go out on the internet today or you could go out on the internet today, find a website where you can enter a phone number and for 19 bucks a month, you can track the location of that phone number 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, it's right. just an amazing amount of data that is getting collected and that is openly available through data brokers uh, and others that are making that data available to anyone and everyone who wants it. Yeah, and, and I have long, I've been in the space quite a while. I've been a long, long standing uh, opponent of BYOD and that has gotten me in in uh, lots of uh, disfavor with a lot of <laughs> a lot of folks but you know i um you're either serious about this stuff or you're not kind of and you know while i want to create a work environment that's you know conducive and uh, to my troops and make sure that you know you know life is easy as possible and convenient and all the rest of it at the same time why would i why would i do a self-inflicted vulnerability the size of the BYOD vulnerability it's just crazy to me so I've uh, I've been an advocate of corporate owned devices ever since this debate began but that has not been the winning uh, argument and and you're right I mean we have this huge huge vulnerability so is that kind of the your strike target for or entering, uh, you know, negotiations with businesses and, and so forth? Absolutely. So, you know, our focus is really those companies that want to have a bring your own device policy, but want to figure out a way to keep those devices as secure as possible, right? You know, there are some companies that say, bring your own device, but we're going to control what apps you can put onto it. That doesn't work for a lot of people, right? There's other people that say, oh, bring your own device, but we're going to put this piece of software on your device that's going to allow us to know everything you're doing on it. And again, there's a lot of people that are employees that, that, that don't like that approach, right? So the approach that we're taking is a little bit different. What, what we're focused on doing is helping people to secure their device, secure their communications, prevent anyone from being able to collect that data from their device so that all that data stays on the device. Uh, that, that's really where we've been focusing. And, and we look at the whole gamut of people that are collecting data. So yes, there's the spyware malware component, but that's actually a tiny fraction of the data collection that goes on from people's mobile phones. The vast majority of data collection that goes on from people's mobile phones is actually done by, number one, the network operators themselves, AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile. You know, they collect every phone call and every text message you send and receive. They have a record of it. They maintain that record for five years or more. They provide the government with open access to that information without needing a warrant or a subpoena. And uh, they very often sell that data as well. They all have big businesses selling people's communications information. Every time you use an app that connects to the internet, they're collecting that data too. They know what apps you use, how much you use them. They know where you spent the night last night, right? And they collect that data and they sell that data. Now, they all claim, oh, but we anonymize the data before we sell it. But if you sell a data pack, and it includes somebody's location 24 by seven. Let's say that data pack's a 30-day data pack, you know, the, somebody's last month of activity. It takes about two seconds for anybody with a computer to figure out whose data that is, because all they've got to look at is where do they spend the majority of their nights? And where people live is public record. And so it's very simple to de-anonymize 
a data set. And, and that's exactly what happens all the time. So uh, the network operators are the big ones. Then there's also the tech companies. So every app you've got on your device is collecting a massive amount of, uh, of data on you. But it's not just the apps. It's also the operating systems. So according to the FCC, on average, the iOS operating system sends data on you back to Apple 52 times a day. The Android operating system sends data on you back to Google on average 14 times an hour. That's over 300 times a day. And this data is everything that you're doing on the phone, from your location to uh, your internet activity, your phone calls, your messages, your app usage, everything. And so there's just an enormous amount of data getting collected. And what do these groups do with this data? The main thing that they do with this data actually is sell it. And so that data becomes available to anyone and everyone who wants it. You know, and, and that may be from an actors, like there's an article uh, this week about the fact that the CIA uh, has been purchasing US citizens uh, commercially available data for years. Uh, but it also may be people you really don't want having that data. It could be identity thieves. You know, there was a, an incident a couple years back where I think it was Experian sold their entire customer data set to a group of identity thieves from Vietnam. That's a credit rating agency sold that data. Right. Okay. I mean, just the, the amount of data that's out there and the amount of, of how it's available and how it gets used is just amazing. And, and, and yeah. you know, you mentioned AI uh, in the beginning of our conversation today, Steve. AI is just going to make this worse. AI has been in play in, in, in analyzing data for years now, but it's getting more and more sophisticated and it's getting easier and easier to interface with it. Yeah, yeah, the, the, sure. And then, you know, I mean, the, the, there are, you know, significant IP uh, risks around companies that want to do BYOD now with, you know, because I can strap a chat GPT app on my phone and I can pull some corporate data and massage it while I'm on my way to whatever. And and that data goes out to, you know, a large learning model somewhere and it becomes part of the part of the corpus that, you know, is is uh, is in the wild and it's my corporate data. So, you know, we're at significant risk of compromising intellectual property. Uh, every day, all day, by folks that you know maybe think they're doing a, a you know an extra bit of work here on their on their way to dinner or what have you. But um, I, I don't think one of our problems and that CyberEd initiative that we're running here is you know, trying to figure out a way to make sure everybody understands what those risks are and what those vulnerabilities are that are native to the application and to the uh, use case and. And there are many, many, many of those. So, you know, uh, we're, we're spending a lot of time, a lot of, you know, brain time trying to figure out what the best way to communicate all that is. But but in the case of uh, your clients with, uh, you know, my, my, what you alluded to earlier, m most of this data, most of this, you know, privacy issue has already been violated so many times. I, I don't think that, I mean, I can't imagine that I have any more privacy uh, any more information that is of, of of use to anybody, seeing as how I've been, ha you know, happily handing it over to Google and Apple and everybody else and their brother for years and years and years. Uh, yes and no. You know, you know, I, 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 you raised the subject of IP and the intellectual property risks, and, and and we as technology people often think of the importance of IP. I actually think the low hanging fruit in terms of what's the highest risk near term due to 
this type of data collection and, and now the ability to apply AI by anybody to analyze these types of data sets is actually not technology intellectual property. It's commercially confidential information, whether that be your company's uh, financial status, because you got somebody who's looking at their financials or doing some financial work on their phone, or it's the company's sales and business development efforts. You know, who are you selling to? What's your proposal? What's your price? What's your offering uh, to that customer? These types of things are very, very open to somebody getting that data through data brokers, gathering right. that type of information. More yeah, than isn't that kind, kind of old school data, though, also? I mean, this has been going on for a while. I mean, I, I can read anybody's 10K, 8K, what have you, right? Easily enough. And there's that. There it all is. Where do investors make money, though? You know, big time investors make money by knowing what, what the company's results are going to be before they report them, right? Uh, you know, you want to know what your competition's bids are before they become public, right? Uh, so very simple example, right? I used to bid on government contracts. If I knew what my uh, competitors' bids were before they were made public, I could submit my bid and make it more competitive, you know? So, so there, there's uh, uh, a lot of ability to do what we would traditionally think of as corporate espionage, is now actually data that's accessible. It's no longer, you don't have to try real hard to go out and get it, uh, right. to get this kind of information. You know, we, we used to, I remember uh, years ago when I was a sales guy and we had our CRM systems, you know, there was a lot of concern around who had visibility to which client inside the corporate CRS, CRM system. Because you didn't want anybody and everybody in the company being able to see, you know, the company's top 20 clients and all the detailed conversations and discussions and sales opportunities that were going on in those clients. And so you had to, to limit the access to that information heavily inside the CRM and, you know, who had access to which accounts, right? But a lot of that, you know, is going away. You know, if you can just monitor somebody's location, some sales guy's location, you know exactly what clients he's calling on, Yeah. right? right. And you know how often he calls on them. Right. And you can monitor his phone calls. You can know how often he's called them. Who is he calling at the client, right? Who are his supporters? Who are the people he doesn't contact? You know, that's an enormous amount of information. It's very valuable as a salesperson competing against somebody to know how that person is engaging with your client. So, right? so your pitch to these guys is you can keep your BYOD, but here's a way to make sure that, you know, you, you're completely secure. I would never use the word completely, but yes, here's a way to help make your BYOD devices more secure. You know, I, I think I think uh, uh, saying somebody is completely secure, I, I don't think that's even a true possibility anymore. But the idea is to make it so difficult to access that information that it becomes not worth it for somebody who's trying to access it, right? Right. So, so that's the goal. So, so what we do is we actually are a replacement for your AT&T, your T-Mobile or Verizon. We are a mobile service provider. We use the network of the large operators. So we have agreements in place with 800 network operators around the world. Uh, so in the U.S., we use the towers of AT&T and T-Mobile, but we have our own secure core network implemented. Uh, you use an app to, uh, on your device to make all your phone calls and send all your messages uh, with our system. Uh, now, our app is not like a, a Signal or a WhatsApp where you can only talk to people who are users of that app. You can actually call any number or send a message to anybody using our, our app. Uh, but what we do is when your phone registers on the network, it doesn't share any of your information with the network. So your average AT&T SIM card, when it registers on the network, it says, hi, I'm Steve King. 
here's my phone number, here's my home address, you know, and, and then AT&T will use that uh, information as a starting point to then collect all of your data against you, your location, all of that sort of thing. When our SIM cards register on the network, it says, hi, I'm a SIM card. Here's the resources I'm supposed to have access to. It doesn't provide any of the user's uh, personal information. And so it actually appears to the network as though it were just a dumb machine. You know, it's, it's, it's like the uh, uh, IoT or machine to machine SIM cards, right? They just register on a network. There's no phone number associated with it. Therefore, the network treats it as a, a, it's a dumb machine to machine SIM card. And so they don't bother tracking things like location and, 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 and all that sort of thing. All of our phone calls and messages and everything are done through software, not through the telco network. And so we're able to ensure that the network operator, it, you know, they don't know your identity, they don't know your phone number. They could, if they knew your ICC ID, your SIM card ID, they could track your location. But because of the way the SIM card registers on the network, they just perceive it as just being another, another dumb machine, a machine SIM card. So they don't bother tracking the location on it. Uh, and then they're not able to track your communications because we're not using the standard telco operator provided voice and SMS technology. We're using a, a software-based uh, uh, system that uses our app and our secure core network uh, to handle all the calls and messages. And then everything is encrypted because it's all done through our app, right? And we also provide an app to encrypt everybody's internet activity and, and their app usage. Uh, we're actually launching, I think it's actually later this week ahead of the 4th of July, called Safe Social Media, which will allow you, instead of having the Facebook app on your phone collecting tons of data, it'll actually allow you to access Facebook from your phone while preventing Facebook from collecting any data from your phone. So today, the Facebook app is, is just a vacuum of data. It, it collects a massive amount of data from your phone, location, contact, all kinds of other information. We make it so that you can use Facebook's social media platform without having to have their app on your device. And so they're unable to actually collect data from your device. And so it's that's true for, it's true for every social media uh, platform. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's designed we have a, a several social media platforms pre-installed on it and then it has a feature where you can actually add additional platforms. So we figured, you know, as new platforms come out or maybe there's some unique platform in your industry or in your country, uh, you'll be able to add that yourself huh. to this uh, uh, safe social media app. That's pretty cool. Speaking of Facebook, you know, it, uh, Cambridge Analytical upset a lot of people for a while back then. And I find it, you know, interesting <laughs> that uh, I think there's four uh, survivor companies from Cambridge. Nobody seems to care about, uh, but they're doing exactly the same thing that Cambridge was doing back then. What's to uh, to your earlier point about uh, we're not sure who's doing what in terms of influence oper cyber influence operations anymore you know whether it's the russians or our, our own uh, central intelligence agency what what how do we, what's to prevent that from happening at scale nothing quite bluntly it happens yeah. uh i am a firm believer that the big tech companies are one of the biggest threats to democracy today because Google has over 90% of the searches that happen on the internet today. People at Google have the ability to influence the results that you get, and they do intentionally influence the results that you get. I'm not saying they do it for political reasons, but they do it for business reasons. You know, Google, Facebook the same way. These companies are built on an advertising model, which means it's all about driving engagement, 
driving eyeballs on the screen. They ran experiments and they published the results of these experiments back from like 2008 to about 2014. They were regularly publishing the results of experiments they were running, showing that when they showed people things that made them happy, you know, rainbows and butterflies, people lost interest. They got offline. When they showed things that made people upset, that created fear, uncertainty, doubt, that drove engagement. And so they have a vested interest in finding issues that are going to cause you fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And so they, you know, the, these companies have a vested interest in, in, I believe, in driving the fragmentation of society, in putting groups against one another. And, and, and it's just it's because that's their commercial model, right? It's driving eyeballs on the screen. And they do that by driving this, these fears, uncertainty, and doubt. And so to do that, I believe that's part of the reason why our society is so politically fragmented today. It's because they put people in an echo chamber. And you know they, they don't give people the opportunity to get exposed to other information or other points of view. And the result is it's harder for people to compromise. Right. I mean, how can you understand somebody that has a different opinion than you do if you've never been exposed to the same information that they've been exposed to? Right. And, you know, and without, you know, going any further into political domain, uh, just sticking with marketing influence of, you know, whatever you want to call it, programmatic remarketing uh, has changed quite a bit in the last uh, influence, meaning the ability to do it much more quickly, much more in a much more sophisticated way, and and, and in, uh, even a more refined way, actually, because we're, we now slice our interests into multiple parts, um, ha has really made a huge difference. I mean, I'm literally, I could be talking with my wife, three minutes later, I'll get a add on my phone for exactly what we were talking about you know it's a little freaky but on the other hand you know i'll start leafing through the, you know she gave me five options i want to look at all five it's uh it, you know it, it's plays to our natural tendencies and it works so you know good on them for that uh and i'm you know i'm a capitalist so i don't i see nothing wrong with that i i do however uh, you know, I have a problem with influence operations from a political point of view. And, you know, it's a it's it's a very uh, dangerous path. We 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 slide down here when we start doing that stuff. So, so you have you live in an interesting uh, domain, David. Uh, sure. I'm sure you see things daily that are uh, satisfying and also freak you out. Uh, yeah, no, I, absolutely. You know, it, it's I always tell people that our greatest marketing driver is actually the news cycle for my company, right? Because every day there's news about somebody's using people's data in a way that they probably wouldn't like, whether that's an insurance company collecting your personal data in order to figure out what insurance rates to provide you and provide you different rates from your neighbor, you know, even though you live right next door to each other. Uh, you know, it's amazing how much comes out every day. And I'm sure we're only seeing reporting on some tiny percentage of the reality of what's going on with this data, right? Amazing things that people are doing with this data that is kind of scary. Yeah, you know? So, so uh, I don't know what the answer is. Uh, you know, my focus is saying, okay, let's look at this from the individual perspective, right? If I want to limit people's ability to 
uh, uh, determine what information to show me. If I wanna keep the information I'm getting as open and as free as possible, well then I need to limit their ability to collect my data. And, and so that's really the focus of my company for Freedom Mobile is limiting the ability of network operators, tech companies, government agencies, uh, hackers, anybody from being able to collect data from my mobile phone so that when I do searches or when I uh, am looking for news and that sort of thing, I'm getting stuff that the, at least I'm trying to get some uh, level of, of a variety of points of view, right? And I'm not getting influenced or pushed in a certain direction or getting stuck in some kind of an echo chamber that just reinforces my existing opinions. Huh. Well, good, good luck to you in that. Um... The I, there are quite a few people around who actually will openly say that they appreciate the trade-off for convenience, right? That I mean, they don't mind giving Google all that information because it helps them shop more efficiently or see more options than they knew existed and or would have known existed and through conventional shopping approaches. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing as telling a what eleven-year-old that. They shouldn't use TikTok because the Chinese government's collecting all that information. They're like, "What? Who cares?" You know. Uh, so it's you know it's it's a it's an interesting area, right? I mean, people people freak out over uh, global warming because there's a visceral there's visceral evidence, quote unquote. You know, I mean, you can see the polar bear stuck on an iceberg uh, shard in the in the warming Arctic, but. You can't see any of this going on in in the cyber world, so I, it's uh, it's a little harder to market in that space. So. Or maybe just people are just bored well, out of their minds. You know, Randy. You know, Steve. What I was, I think that everybody knows to some degree or another that these types of things are happening. Some people are more concerned about it than others, right? And 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 those are the people that I'm targeting, right? I think businesses have a valid reason to be concerned about the security of their BYOD devices, right? Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of individuals out there that, that have a valid reason to be concerned about the security of their devices, their communications, that sort of thing, right? I think everybody has a valid reason. I think that there are a lot of people out there who perceive this as being important enough that they wanna do something about it. And what we try to do is make it easy, right? So. You know, our, our, our starting plan for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data is that, you know, $29.99 a month. And so for, for a, what is a relatively cheap price, you can get similar, similar quality service to what you would get with an AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, and at the same time, it's secure. So we're, we're a mobile service provider. I, I will tell you, we've had college students using us as their home uh, uh, internet uh, service provider because they could then, you know, play sure. games and watch movies without having to pay for it. But but you know, most people want to have a higher speed uh, internet service provider than than what they can get through LTE or even 5G these days. Uh, so, uh, but the, you know, for for mobile service though, you know, we're a valid alternative in terms of quality. You know, we have the same coverage as AT and T and T Mobile combined. So we actually have better coverage than you know Verizon or AT and T or T Mobile uh, alone because we actually have access to two networks. And oh yeah, by the way. For those people who travel, we have free international roaming built into that. So you get free international roaming in over 200 countries around the world built into that. Huh. In addition to that, though, in addition to that great coverage and the great quality services you get, we also provide all of the security features that we've been talking about, where we prevent 
people from being able to track your location, your identity, your communications, your internet activity, your app usage, your financial transactions, uh, and, and now your, your social media usage. You know, we're providing all of these benefits at a price the same or less than what most people are paying for their mobile service today. Yeah, I know. Sure. That's the idea. That's a, that's, a, that's a heck of a deal. So I, um, I'm aware that we're, uh, we're at the top or the bottom of our hour here. So I, I, uh, I want to wrap up, David. Is, uh, what are your plans for the future, kind of the next 12 months? Do you have any product upgrades or changes that you're planning on making or just business as usual here trying to build a, a larger customer base? So we're constantly evolving our, our portfolio of offerings. You know, I mentioned we're launching uh, uh, ahead of the 4th of July, the Safe Social Media app. Uh, we have another app that we'll be launching shortly that's really focused on stopping malware and spyware uh, on uh, people's mobile phones. Frankly, as I mentioned before, I don't see that as big a problem, but it is kind of another space we want to cover. Uh, the other thing is, uh, you know, last year we launched our own secure mobile phone. So for people who do want to do BYOD in the, in the business environment or who do not want to do BYOD in the business environment, or for just individuals who want to have a mobile phone that's more secure than an, an Apple or an Android phone, we launched our own secure mobile phone uh, last year. And later this year, we're actually planning on launching the second generation of that phone. What is that price? Uh, so our standard secure mobile phone today is priced at $699. And uh, that's about where we're probably going to price the next generation phone when it comes out uh, as well. Is about $699 because what we found is that's kind of the, that's a reasonable price for people to pay, right? It's, it's around the same that they would pay for a Samsung or, or, or an Apple, but it has the advantage of being secure. You know, it, it's based on the Android operating system, which means that they can use all their favorite apps. But what we've done is de-Googled it completely. So it no longer shares any information with Google at all. Uh, and so uh, it's a secure phone, but at the same time, unlike most secure phones, you can download Spotify and use it on there, right? You can download your favorite apps and use them. And the so, camera quality is uh, similar to, uh, to the current uh, the releases from Apple. Absolutely. So, you know, our, our current phone has a 48 megapixel camera uh, camera. So it's, it's, it's very similar to what people get uh, today from the, the latest and greatest phones. The next generation phone that we'll be launching towards the end of the year, probably around the Christmas time, is uh, going to have an even better uh, set of cameras and actually a better uh, screen as well. So um, but, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a small, lightweight phone, you know, relatively small, I should say. Right, it's not a, it's not an iPhone seven, not that small, but uh, uh, it's a relatively small, easy to use phone, uh, lightweight, with great quality, and most importantly, it's secure. You're not sharing your data with Apple or Google or or other people. Yeah, uh, that's great. Well, good luck with that, David, and uh, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure you'll have a terrific year. And I, I, uh, I appreciate you joining us today. It was a fascinating discussion, and it's a fascinating topic. I'm sure we'll have lots to talk about as time goes on here. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you, Steve, for uh, having me. And I just want to mention real quick our website in case people want to yeah, get more information. It's uh, forfreedommobile.com. That's for like the number four, freedommobile.com. Thanks a lot, Steve, for letting me on your show. Sure. Thank you. And thanks to our audience for spending another half hour or so with us today. I hope that this information was uh, was useful and uh, interesting, and it's a domain that's uh, going to get a lot of attention here as uh, generative AI um, sort of picks up speed around that space. And 
we're in an election cycle. So can't wait. Take care, everybody. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve King, signing off. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Cybersecurity Insights. You can connect with us on LinkedIn or Facebook or send us an email at social at cybered.io. For more information about the podcast, visit cybered.io forward slash podcast. Until next week, stay safe and secure, and we'll see you on the next episode of Cybersecurity Insights.